The content of this podcast should not be considered financial or investment advice. All interviews and discussions are opinions only, and the podcast has been created without taking into consideration the listener's financial objectives, financial situation, or needs. Listeners should obtain independent advice before making any financial decisions. Hi, this is Barry Fitzgerald, Garen Perro columnist for Stockhead. Welcome to another edition of the Explorers podcast. Today we're catching up with Peel Mining, trades under the code PEX and had a last sale price of 30.5 cents for a market cap of about 128 million. And uh, I can say there that it's probably about $20 million up than it was a week or two ago because of some exciting exploration results at a development project the company has in Cobar. Now, the company is very much focused on the Cobar region of New South Wales, a place that uh, not many people really appreciate, I guess, but uh, over time there's been as much as $70 billion worth of metal, copper, gold, other metals produced in that region, as well as in uh, resource uh, resources held by uh, Peel and others. With that, I'm going to uh, jump straight into it. We've got Rob Tyson, MD, and Rob, can we start out, please, uh, by just getting a bit of a professional background on yourself and the company? Yes, sure. Thanks, Barry. Thanks for having me. Um, so, look, I'm an exploration geologist and um, I've spent most of my time, I guess, uh, looking for gold and base metals. Um, and I originally sort of started work in, in Queensland, in, um, up in the northwest near Mount Isa, uh, around Selwyn. And then uh, I, I went for a three-week holiday to Western Australia in the early 90s and 20 six years, 27 years later, I'm still here, um, <laughs> which is what happens to young geologists when I think they uh, come to WA. But um, uh, look, the company was founded about uh, pretty much uh, 14 years ago. We've been, I think we've been listed, uh, sorry, we've been listed 14 years, almost to the day actually. Um, okay. And uh, we've been, we've been, we were incorporated six months earlier than that. Um, but we started as a true greenfields exploration company and um, and we've been, I guess, uh, slowly but surely um, uh, sneaking up on the on the prize and um, we're now at a pivotal point in the company's life and we're really, I guess, m- we've moved from pure greenfields exploration to um, a development story um, and, uh, and it's a Cobar-based or Cobar-centric, copper-centric sort of development story now right good time to be uh, copper centric of course with uh, the price uh, smashing through ten thousand dollars a ton um fantastic uh, encouragement there and I, I see that you uh were able to uh, quite comfortably pull in what's it 18 and a half million from a recent placement to uh, fuel this uh, push you've got going yeah that's right so look um the last year was sort of a consolidation year where we had two joint ventures and a uh, we also had a royalty that we um, managed to get get hold of all the other halves of uh, those those items. So um, we raised some money to to buy back half of our Mallee Bull project last year, and um, and the capital we've just raised is is really to push us towards development decision. Um, and uh, look, it'll go a long way towards that. So we're now. We're now drilling out. Um, we're drilling for a maiden copper resource at our Wurlong deposit. Uh, we're also drilling at Mallee Bull, which was our, our copper discovery from 
sort of uh, seven, eight years ago. Um, but all of it's about uh, getting to critical mass to support a new mining development scenario and a copper a copper sort of centric one in the Cobar Basin. Right. So that consolidation you've done, so everything we'll be talking about today is 100% peel. That's right. Yeah, mm-hmm. look, we, we've spent $21 million over the last sort of three, four years. We bought out two royalties, um, which have cost us about $4.2 million in aggregate and $17 million for the other half of Mallee Bull. So everything's 100% owned and unencumbered, so no royalties on anything. A mm. bit hard to visualise, but if you could uh, uh, explain that uh, you, the projects are all, what, to the south of Cobar and they're all within a, a reasonable trucking distance of each other? Yeah, that's right. So we're sort of in the, the central southern part of the Cobar Basin, as it's known, and um, and we're about 100 kilometres, I guess, is the centre of gravity for Peel, about 100 kilometres south of Cobar. And Cobar, as you sort of alluded to before, is... It's not high profile, but it is one of Australia's preeminent sort of mining jurisdictions. And and I guess, you know, there's a number of mines, but probably the one that most people think of when they think of Cobar is the CSA mine uh, owned by Glencore, which is uh, consistently rated in the top five high-grade copper mines in the world. Um, and it's uh, sort of amongst the deepest in Australia. It's been going for on and off for 150 years, um, sort of the last, I guess, in modern mining times, it's been going since around uh, 1970, so for pretty much 50 years. It's a very high-grade mine. They're down around 1,750 metres below surface and it runs at about 5% copper. And we've got some deposits that bear striking similarities to that style of mineralisation. Mm. So when people look at the Cobar region, and they, obviously the CSA is the uh, the big operation there at the moment, but the, 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 what's the particular nature of these deposits? Uh, I understand they've got a very short strike length, but they seem to go down to the bowels of the earth. Is that the a typical Cobar-style Cobar mineralisation? Yeah, that's right. So they're, they're typically quite short, like you said, in strike length, and the lenses can sort of be as short as 20 to 30 metres in strike, which is obviously, you know, quite quite short or very short. Um, they can be up to 150, 200 metres sort of strike, these lenses, but they do have vertical continuity. So they can, yeah, like you say, they, they just, the plumbing goes very deep um, and, and that's the nature of these deposits. They're essentially, for the geologically sort of astute, they're, they're a type of VMS deposit deposit. Um, that's probably been been squeezed later, so it's it's sort of a remobilised VMS is the is the general thinking. Right. Okay. Now I think you've defined resources at four deposits so far. Um, and exploration uh, is still part of the equation there, and you're building this uh, critical mass to support a single processing hub. Um, where are you on that pathway at the moment? Yeah. Um, so look, that's right. We've got resources at. Southern Knights and Wagga Tank, which are part of the one mineral system, but two discrete deposits on that system. Uh, we've got a, a resource also at Mayday, and we've also got a resource at Mallee Bull. Um, we're now drilling for, a, I guess, a fifth resource at Wurlong, and all of them, I guess, are sort of um, spokes uh, to support that central mining hub concept. Uh, so what we're wanting to do is, you know, it's a sum of the parts 
obviously, sort of scenario. And and for VMS fields, you know, around the world, it's quite a common scenario that you have a central milling facility and then satellite mines essentially feeding that mill. So we're, we want to make sure that we're, we're not starting with just enough. We want more than enough and ideally way more than enough. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're, we're working towards, I guess, uh, just uh, measuring all those resources to a level that we can undertake these these studies and, and I guess, you know, show what the, the value of the project is. So looking at your last presentation, I think you were at around 12.7 million tonnes across the, the deposits. What sort of uh, critical mass do you think you will require to get going with a processing, central processing facility? Uh, look, we've got a, you know, when we've looked around the Cobar Basin, there's a, I guess, as a basis of, you know, what have other people done? Um, interestingly, the the average throughput of all all the mines and mills in the in the district is sort of around one million tons per annum, right. and and that that scale is essentially a level where you get an economies of scale kicking in from a processing perspective, particularly. Um, but it's also it, it also points to generally what you can pull out of one or two mines in terms of annual production. We're aiming for a million tonnes per annum um, and for an eight to 10 year mine life, ideally. So we, we need about 10 million tonnes of mineable resources. And I guess we've got about 13 million tonnes of global resources, of which 5 million tonnes is indicated. But the work that we're doing now is really about, um, obviously, Wurlong, it's generating a maiden resource and hopefully with a, a, a reasonable amount of indicated classification, but the work particularly at Mallee Bull is about upgrading that resource from primarily inferred to primarily indicated. Mm. So at this stage, Mallee Bull is the linchpin of the central processing hub uh, strategy? I, I think so, yeah. Look, it's um, it's a significant copper deposit. It's, it's high grade. Um, if people have the time and they can go back through our some of our historic drill results, I'll see that there were some stellar results when we were discovering it back in sort of 2012, 2013. Um, we also happen to own 20,000 acres of, of uh, Western Lands Lease title, uh, which sits obviously underneath the Malleable deposit. So it's, it, it is central to our general uh, base of operations, to our, to our tenure. Um, so it's a right, I think it's a right place to be thinking about a mill. Right. Okay. Now, don't want to put the pressure on, but um, in terms of timeline, if uh, appreciate you've got studies to do and uh, more exploration, development, drilling to do, but what what sort of uh, timeline do you see for the company transitioning to producer status? Yeah. Good question. Look, we've it's taken a long time to get to this point, you know, and I'm cognizant of that. But um, you know, and, and certainly, you know, putting the pressure on, I, I think is is a reasonable thing to expect of, of myself and the company at this point in our life. But it's the first time we've been able to make unilateral decisions in the last six months since the JVs have fallen away. Um, the timeline, essentially, we want to drill everything out by the end of this year and we want to complete scoping and, and feasibility study pre-fees at least by the end of next year. Um, I think we're on track to... Uh, hopefully be lodging environmental impact statements and mining licence applications by uh, towards the end of next year. So um, conceptually moving into a producer status, 
um, around 2025, which is it would be a goal I've you know I've got in my mind. And um, and look, I'm hoping the Goldman Sachs report on copper recently is correct because that's when they predict that the you know potentially the biggest deficits in copper will be at hand and the copper price um, you know hopefully is responding. Yes, uh, not just Goldman Sachs either. That's very much the uh, BHP thematic on copper as well. They're predicting a bit of maybe a bit of price weakness for the as new mines around the world, some big ones come in to production over the next uh, year or two. But then this big supply gap uh, deficit opening up around twenty four, twenty five. So could all be nicely timed for you. Uh, look, everything's in the timing they say. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Yeah, look, um, I've obviously, you know, been in the industry a long time and I remember uh, some peers or or companies that I looked up to going back uh, in in the early 2000s who were pretty unloved, Um, but then the stars aligned and um, I'm thinking of companies like Anvil Mining, um, Equinox, um, and the stars aligned and and their timing was fantastic for becoming significant producers Mm -hmm. of copper. And I think we're in a much better thematic than we were back then. You know, the electrification of the world is going to require a truckload of copper um, and we have not been replacing, you know, globally that is, we haven't been replacing what we've been consuming. So it's, uh, it's look, we're, we're very happy to be drilling out high-grade copper at this point in time. For sure. Um, for, for those investors who might not follow copper uh, particularly closely, um, can you give a feel for at what price does the in- industry generally get very excited and how does that compare with where we are now? Look, I think the industry is pretty excited by the pricing right at the moment and um, I was speaking with some commodity experts not long ago and they had a sort of a line in the sand at around 7500 US, which we're obviously a long way past. Hmm. Um, I think right now is a very good time. Uh, you know, if you, I think Carl Simich would be pretty happy with the pricing he's getting for his concentrates. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but look, I also think, you know, if you, you know, if looking at the potential future demand side of things, I think the price is going to have to escalate to bring on um, a lot of the big mines that are going to be required uh, to, to supply this, you know, that demand. Mm-hmm. And, and those big mines are mostly porphyries. Um, you know, style of deposits and, and they tend to have a very low grade, you know, around, I think I looked at the top 20 undeveloped copper deposits in the world and the average grade was about 0.4% by my reckoning. Mm. Uh, and, uh, you know, we're, we're obviously multiples of that and, you know, pro- mostly underground or all underground our, our resources in terms of development scenarios. But, um you know, we're talking percents of copper, you know, two or three. And, uh, you know, when, when people are mining 0.4, copper, um, I think you're going to need a much higher price to make all that happen. Mm. Plus, nowadays, of course, there's, we've got the ESG overlay. Uh, the energy intensity of a, a pound of copper or an ounce of gold is becoming increasingly important to a lot of investors. Uh, so, obviously, with a high-grade operation, you're... Uh, energy intensity would be much less than some of those uh, those big zero point four percent type copper operations. Uh, absolutely, look, where you know they're small footprint deposits. Um, they, you know, the 
um, we're very mindful of our, our environmental, um, you know, I guess, uh, impact that we're going to have. But um, what we can see at the moment is that it should be fairly limited because they are small deposits, well, small footprints, they're underground. So you'll have a portal and a decline, but there won't be a huge amount of surface infrastructure. Um, the mill will be obviously the, the place where you'll have the biggest footprint. Um, but again, look, for the part of the world we're in, it'll be a relatively small footprint. Um, you know, it, there's, you know, most of the properties out there are 20 to 100,000 acres will be taking up maybe 100 acres or something, you know, not, not, mm-hmm. not, or maybe a couple of hundred, but not, not very big by comparison. And yeah, look, we're also looking at energy and we've got, to, we've, we're very close to the moon, but a Sydney gas pipeline, which is um, a better scenario than diesel driven generators, if mm-hmm. we can tap that. Um, but we'll also look into solar power as um, part of the solution for our power needs. Mm, okay. I was at a mining lunch yesterday and there was a lot of discussion around the table about some results you've reported from Wurlong, Wurlong being uh, about 75k south of Cobar and probably 40k to Mallee Bull. But, uh, so what, what have you been reporting there? What, what are you on to there? Look, we've, uh, look, this is a deposit we discovered under one of our joint ventures a number of years ago and we, uh, you know, because it was a JV, we couldn't really accelerate the exploration as quickly as we would have liked. Um, uh, but um, what we've seen is um, this system is uh, has hallmarks of a uh, of a classic Cobar style system. Certainly, the structural setting is very similar to the CSA and CSA mine. Um, the deposit itself that's shaping up is um, got some beautiful high grade in it. We reported yesterday a couple of intercepts. The highlights were sort of 28 metres at 3.6% copper from about 300 metres below surface. Uh, another hole was 24.4 metres at 3.7% copper from 350 below surface. Um, they were down dip, well, one was down dip from the other, um, but they sat below another hole that was 17 metres at 4% copper. Um, so we've got a, at least 100 metres of down dip continuity of this very high grade mineralisation. Uh, probably importantly, both those intercepts were within broader halos of stockwork coppers, copper mineralisation, um, 98 metres at 1.4% copper and 153 metres at, at around 1% copper. Um, so it's, a, it's shaping up as a really significant copper system. I think the broader halo of mineralisation speaks to the potential metal endowment of the, the whole Wurlong um, sort of mineral system. Um, we're really excited by it, but um, I guess, you know, we, we've still got a lot of work to do to put together this maiden resource initially. We've got two rigs on the ground there, um, but we certainly, I guess, are very encouraged that um, it's shaping up to deliver a, a significant copper resource there. And um, I think the greater term, potent, you know, the greater potential over the longer term is that um, we're really just getting started on a potential uh, very large or very significant copper system. So, yeah, it's exciting, um, um, but um, we've, we've probably got at least another two to three months of drilling there um, uh, to finish off, and then we will need to get the assays back, obviously, and then publish a maiden resource. All right. Um, now... You can pretty much judge the quality of a company by the quality of its uh, main invest, uh, key investors. You, you've got some interesting 
uh, investors on your and the corporates on your register. I'm thinking of St. Barbara and uh, is Paradise recently became a shareholder? That's right. Look, Paradise uh, have been uh, relatively new to the register, but we're certainly happy to have them on there. And, you know, they've got a reputation as an astute investor. Um, and uh, it's nice to see them go, uh, go substantial. Um, St. Barbara came on a, a few years back um, and they really liked the exploration potential of, of our, our ground and, and were happy to, to back us uh, to go out and explore. I think, truth be known, they'd probably rather we found more gold than <laughs> copper and zinc and lead. But um, ultimately, we're, we've been a, a successful explorer um, and uh, I think they're generally happy with their investment. Um, and, uh, you know, we're, we're, we keep a, a dialogue with them, obviously. And then Hampton Hill Mining, our largest shareholder, um, has been extremely supportive over the, over the last decade, really. Um, mm-hmm. And um, that's a, really a, a gentleman by the name of Josh Pitt who, who um, sort of sits within the Hampton structure. And Josh uh, actually discovered Golden Grove uh, back in 1970, the the very large BMS uh, mine that's been mined for I think around 30 years now, and yeah. uh, so Josh Josh understands what we're chasing, and he's he's been stalwart in his support for us. Alrighty then, if we could uh, kind of uh, wrap it up now, but if you could give investors a feel for what they should be looking out for from the company in the next couple of quarters. Uh, look, pretty simple. We're drilling out two copper deposits, so you're going to see a lot of copper drill results. And I think the results that we published yesterday are, you know, are the sort of results that people should expect us to repeat going forward. Um, uh, we've already, in, in that announcement yesterday, we did mention that there were further uh, visible results pending. And... Um, and look, we're, we've we've got a, a number of drill holes we haven't completed processing on as well um, in, for Wurlong particularly. We're also drilling back at Mallee Bull. So, you know, there'll be, uh, again, I'd remind people to look back on our historic results from Mallee Bull and, and they're the sort of numbers that we should be repeating through this drill out. Um, so lots of good copper drill results pending. And then back end of this year, really, will be resource upgrades or maiden resource for Wurlong and a resource upgrade for Mallee Bull. And uh, we're also planning to do a little bit of work down at Southern Nights and, and potentially upgrade that resource as well. Uh, and then look, really going into that study mode. So next year will be um, a lot of study work. Uh, we, we will have some metallurgical and ore sorting test results over the course of this year. Um, as well as some, you know, sort of, sort of mining um, study type announcements as well. So mm-hmm. lots going on. Yeah. Okay, folks, there we go. Um, as uh, Rob just said, lots to look out, to look forward to there in the uh, coming months. As the uh, the company now with its consolidated position uh, in the Cobar Basin makes that push to uh, become a producer of copper and other metals by circa 2025, just when the the world will be screaming out for more of the red metal. So, Rob, all the best with it, and uh, we'll watch with interest. Thanks very much, Barry. Much appreciated you having me on the program today.